Todd wants to know if you buy a business, do you actually have to tell the customers? I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Deal Making, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. Hey everyone, I got a great question uh, that was left as a comment on one of my videos. So Todd was watching Asset versus Share Purchase, How to Sell a Business, How to Buy a Business, which is several years old. And I will remind you that there's years and years and years of, of old videos. Go check them out. They have valuable information. And please hit the, hit the like button. Uh, it helps to show YouTube that the old videos are still relevant. Um, and, and some of them really need some love. They, they don't have any likes at all. And uh, please forgive, you know, poor audio and video quality. I, I didn't know all the tricks that I know today. Um, so let me share the question. Um, so in that video, I was talking about the difference between an asset sale and a share sale. And if you're uncertain, go check out that video. Um, Todd asks, I have a question for you. You mentioned around the five minute mark that in an asset sale, quote, the customers may not know that someone else is mowing their lawn. I was using a lawn mowing company as an example in that uh, in that video. If, as you mentioned later in the video, that when doing a share sale that you don't have to renegotiate contracts with customers, how does this affect an asset sale with informal customer relationships? Keyword there, informal. If I make an asset purchase and include buying the old business name, am I required to tell every customer with an ongoing relationship that they are now doing business with a new corporation? Thank you, Todd, great question. So just to be clear, just to be clear, when you have a corporation, it could be you know, Dave's Lawn Mowing Inc., a corporation will sometimes then have a trade name. So Dave's Lawn Mowing Corporation Inc. could be going by Dave's Friendly Neighborhood Lawn Service as a trade name. And sometimes when you buy a business, you might acquire the trade name. Or when you buy a business, you may acquire the selling company's business name as a trade name, right? And this all depends on where you live and the things that are allowed under the, the government agency that or the government department that manages what businesses are called, okay? But in general, everywhere that I've ever spoken to anyone, it's possible for you to, as a buyer, even in an asset sale, acquire the name or, or something that looks very much like the name of the business that you are acquiring and use that either as a trade style or a trade name or as your own company name. And sometimes you've seen this where you see like, like Jones Plumbing Bracket 2020 Limited, right? And so what does the Bracket 2020 mean? Well, it means that this is some kind of iteration iteration or, or remaking of the Jones Plumbing Company. Either they had to create a new company for whatever reason they had, or maybe it was sold at that time. And the buyer called the company a slight variation on the name in order to put that bracket 2020 in the name in order to differentiate it from what the previous company was called. Okay. So 
do we have to tell all of the customers? So, and Todd mentions informal, if there's informal customer relationships, but let's, let's consider this across the breadth of the whole spectrum of customer relationships. At one end, you've got these very deep customer relationships that are usually contract driven, where you have the business has a contract with the customers. And if the contracts are very detailed and specific, and if the customers happen to be, you know, 500 pound gorillas, like if the customer is IBM or a government for a city or a state or the federal government or whatever, right? Then usually the value in those contracts is so extreme and the ability of the service providing business to dictate or inform the customer of a change, that power is so low, those businesses tend to be sold as share transactions because they know, the buyer and seller know that going and telling the county, hey, we've done a sale and you now have to pay this entity, like that's just not going to work. They're going to they're gonna say, oh, the, our contracts are not assignable. And uh, now that you've sold, we have to go out to tender again. We have to get bids from your competitors, right? So that would defeat the whole purpose of buying the business. So I've met many clients, for example, in the janitorial space who will buy a business that, or in translation, who will buy a business like that that has those kinds of government contracts and they buy the shares because they want to they keep that entity intact. The next step over would be companies that have deep and ongoing relationships with customers. They may or may not have contracts, but there's a regular communication between the two companies and the customer may know the owner of the business. And so this is where you you get to the point where, okay, if we're going to buy this business as an asset sale, do we want to tell the customers? In a case like that, the buyer is going to be, you know, just out of sheer awareness of that industry, of how the industry works and how important the customer contacts are and the relationships are, probably when you buy that business, the seller is going to take you around and introduce you to those customers. You're going to have a one-on-one conversation with a lot of those important customers. They're definitely going to know that the business has changed hands. One step further along that spectrum is a business that has a lot of customers They don't necessarily know the owner of the business. They don't necessarily have direct interactions with them, but we may have a lot of electronic payments, right? So when an asset sale occurs, the bank accounts of the business, they belong to the legal entity. And if the legal entity is the seller of the business, the bank accounts don't go with the sale, which means that the buyer needs to have their own bank account for their entity, which is making the acquisition, So if you've got a lot of customers that are paying by electronic payment, you have to be able to inform them they need to direct those payments to a new bank account. So certainly in that case, there has to be a formal awareness or notification to the client base that this transaction has occurred, or at least a reorganization has occurred, and those payments have to be sent somewhere new, okay? So further along this spectrum, let's take another step, right? So we're taking another step. Now let's get into something more like the lawn mowing example that I gave in that previous video. So the lawn maintenance company could have residential and commercial clients. And during the whole negotiation and the due diligence process, um, the buyer and seller may talk and they may agree that the seller is going to take the buyer around to meet all the commercial accounts because they're the bigger accounts. Maybe they're paying with electronic payments, for example. 
But the residential accounts, they're just a couple hundred dollars each. And there is a contract there, but the contract may be assignable, meaning that the buyer and seller of the business can sign a piece of paper where the seller grants the buyer all of their rights in those service contracts, right? And so what does that mean? It means that the obligations and rights under that contract have now been given to the buyer of the business. They can just go out there and continue to provide that service. Do they necessarily need to tell each customer that there's been a change? They may not legally need to. And, and this is where you want to ask your, your, uh, sorry, your attorney, right? Your lawyer and say, you know, if we do this assignment, do I need to inform? Because the contract may say that there needs to be notice in the case of an assignment, or it may say that there doesn't need to be. It may be silent on that topic, but there might be a statute in your jurisdiction that says that if there's an assignment of a contract, you have to inform the parties to the contract. You're going to have to ask your lawyer. I don't know, right? Depends where you live. But here would be the litmus test that I would follow is... If the customers find out later that the business has been sold, do you think that they will be upset that they didn't know, right? Do you think that they will feel that there's been some kind of slight to them if they weren't told? And I think that's the real measure because you want to make sure, obviously, that you're on a good, you know, on a good basis with those customers because you're going to be coming back next year asking for that, asking them to renew their contract. And when you do go back asking them to renew the contract, the contract obviously will have a different entity name on it because you're not going to get them to repeat a contract with the entity that used to own the lawn maintenance business. You have to change that. One of the common rules, you know, in doing business is that you have to represent yourself and hold yourself out and advertise yourself as doing business under a certain legal structure in order for that legal structure to be recognized and to be able to provide you with the protections or, or you know, sort of liability shields, et cetera, of, of having that kind of entity. So, for example, um, if, if I don't ever say that I'm incorporated, if I just say, hire me, I'm David, and then there's some kind of problem and you want to sue me, well, then I can't then run behind the, the protection of my company saying, you know, well, I'm actually incorporated. You can't sue me. You have to sue my company. So this is why, for example, in a lot of the fine print of all the stuff that I do and in my engagement letter, I actually have the name of my corporation spelled out saying you're doing business with this corporation. That is how I do business, you know, and, and, and so that's how you need to represent yourself when you're doing business. Further down the scale. So let's think about businesses where people just kind of show up and walk through the door and spend money, right? There's no contract between the buyer and seller. It's a transactional engagement. You walk in, you pick something out, you spend money. Think about going into a big chain fast food restaurant, right? You recognize the brand name. You, you know, hey, I'm doing business with McDonald's or Burger King or whoever it is. But if you look closely at the food service license that they've got on the wall, the health permit or whatever, it's not going to say McDonald's or Burger King on it. Typically, it's going to say the legal name of the entity that is the franchisee that's operating that unit. 
And so if someone came in one day and that business was sold and they took down that certificate and they put a new one up with a different name on it, is anyone going to know? Is anyone going to care? As far as those customers are concerned, they're just there to buy a burger. And if they pay their money and they get the same burger they've always expected, and they're, they're going to be happy with that. The same thing could go with any kind of retail store, corner store, even a service business where there's infrequent interaction between um, you know, the customers and that service company. You know, if they call the number and the same technician comes out who's always come out and they do work for them, but he leaves an invoice or he leaves you know, some kind of work order document with a different corporate name on it, is the customer really going to care? Well, that's something you have to measure and you have to figure out. And it's definitely something you want to have a conversation with the seller about. If you are seriously thinking about buying a business one day, then I would highly recommend you head over to Business Buyer Advantage where you can sign up for my online course. It's about 13 or so hours of video uh, tutorials all about how to buy a business in a risk-controlled way. And this is the key. If you're going to buy a business, it's because you want to avoid the risk of starting one. You want to have a business that already has customers and profits before you get it into your own name. And come over there. I'll teach you how to do it while managing risk. All right. And with that, we'll say see you later. And for next time, I will definitely have my notifications turned off so we don't hear clicking in the background. Sorry about that. Love you all. Cheers. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Head over to my blog site, davidcbarnett.com, where you can learn more about me and how I work with my clients. You can learn more about my books and the online courses that I've prepared for you. You can find out about how to subscribe to my email list, the YouTube playlists, etc. There's literally hundreds of hours of content there, all for free, and I'd love for you to be my guest. Special thanks go out to Jeff Alpaw Customs for being my tailor. Men all around the world can look dangerous, just like me, with the help of Jeff Alpaw Customs. JeffAlpaw.com. Use the code DCB10 to save. They handle multiple currencies and ship anywhere you happen to be.